Welcome to the Happy Menopause podcast with me, Jackie Lynch, registered nutritional therapist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialize in women's health and the menopause. There are so many ways that diet and lifestyle can help to relieve a whole range of menopause symptoms. And my new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is packed with practical nutrition advice to support you through this transition. It's out now and available to order in all the usual places. Join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife in this podcast and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. Aging is something that inevitably starts to preoccupy us in midlife because we all want to be as fit and well as possible as we grow older. And let's be honest, we'd like to keep looking good too. As my latest guest, Susan Saunders, remarks, we all know people who are ageing at different rates. Once you get to midlife, everyone starts to age in a very different way. A small part of this is genetic, but a lot of it is down to lifestyle. Susan's made it her business to compile the very latest research on cellular ageing, and some of the things she flags up are a real eye-opener in this fascinating discussion on how to age well. But first, I'd like to give a shout out to my sponsor, Silk, who make it possible for me to produce this podcast. Their wonderful product can transform your intimate life. Because one of the midlife symptoms we don't often talk about is vaginal dryness. It can be a real problem during the perimenopause and the menopause, causing itching, discomfort and painful sex. So I'd like to say a big thank you to them, not just for supporting this podcast, but for offering a gentle and natural solution for women with vaginal dryness. Silk's plant-based formula is made in New Zealand with kiwi vine gum extract, which is a natural lubricant. It's water-based and pH-friendly, so that it gently soothes vaginal dryness and irritation, helping you rediscover your love life. It's available at all chemists and off the shelf in larger boots stores. Visit silk.co.uk to order your free sample. And so on to today's episode. Susan Saunders is a TV producer, author and health coach. She spent the last decade researching how to live a longer, healthier and happier life and truly believes that we can change the way we age. The fruits of this research led her to co-authoring The Age Well Project, a brilliant book on the science of ageing. And she just published her new book, The Age Well Plan, which is full of simple strategies to apply this science in our everyday lives and help us all to age well. So let's hear what she's got to say. Welcome to the Happy Menopause, Susan. Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. I'm really, really excited to be here and to chat with you. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here because, you know, age well, we all want to know a lot more about that. So I've got tons of questions for you and I can't wait to get going. But before we plunge into the meat of it all, uh, let's start with you and your story. So what's your background and, you know, how did it lead to where you are now? Well, I was a journalist originally, and I became a TV producer, which means I'm used to researching and writing. But I've made TV series on everything from the marine life of Central California to Hampton Court Palace and BBC Current Affairs and entertainment shows, all sorts, all sorts of very varied things. Oh, but for me, the really big sort of life-changing moment came when my mum was diagnosed with severe dementia and I was I was only 36 and I had a toddler and a newborn I was working full-time in tv and suddenly I 
had to become a carer as well. And as a teenager, I had watched my mum care for her mum. So I could sort of see this passion here with female members of my family and dementia. Oh and I gosh. thought with two very young daughters myself, I really wanted to do everything I could to reduce my risk of them having to care for me at some point. So I started reading and, and researching as much as I could. Uh, that that was the starting block, really. That you know, That's where it started, that sort of personal drive to learn as much as I could about my health. Right. And and how long ago was that? It was about 18 years ago that my mum was diagnosed. And I started to read and research more and more about how I could reduce my risk of getting dementia myself with lifestyle factors and uh, lifestyle changes. Uh, and then I realised those lifestyle changes would help me age better generally, not just reduce my risk of dementia. Um, and along the way, I met Annabelle Street, my friend, and uh, we met at the gates of our daughter's nursery and uh, shared similar concerns. And we were both really into cooking and healthy eating. So we eventually came up with the idea of writing a blog together. And that was the I start see. of the Age Well project. That's an enormous amount for you to be taking on. What Was your mother living with you? No, she wasn't. She was living in her own home. She stayed in her own home until the end of her life, in fact. Eventually, I had to get support and had to get carers in to help me because she needed round-the-clock care and I, I couldn't deliver that. But I no. still had to sort of manage all that and visit and do all the admin and all the organising and Oh, listen, that's an enormous amount. I know all about that. Um, so you're doing that. You've got your, your young children. And then on top of that, you take on board then this whole big project. Well, it didn't start as a big project. That's the thing. I think it started as a very small project, really, which was Annabelle and I just writing about the research we'd read and writing recipes that went with it, to the, the things we were cooking and eating at home ourselves that might match the particular research that we'd read, you know, if there was research about oily fish, you know, we'd put a recipe about salmon, that sort of thing. So it started very small and really it was just sort of for our friends who were asking questions to start with. And then it kind of grew quite quickly and people would share our posts and that sort of thing. And so we thought, oh, you know, this is this is kind of going places. And Annabelle is a writer and she said, well, you know, why don't we turn it into a book? So we we wrote a, a treatment and we sent it to some uh, literary agents and they were all really keen, much to our surprise. And then that's it amazing. Went, well yeah, no, that was that was so exciting. And just actually as a kind of mid life moment to get a literary agent for the first time in my life at the age of fifty was really exciting. And I just thought if it doesn't go any further than this. I don't really mind because this, you know, this is just a sort of exciting moment in my life. But it did go further and we had publishers interested and you know, did a deal and wrote a book. And so all that sort of unfolded over a number of years as our children got older. My mum died probably three or four years before the book came out. So right. my life had moved on and, and freed up 
sort of along, you know, along the way. And that, that really crunchy burden of dealing with very small children and a mother with dementia at the same time. You did eat, it was a long time. So as you were developing this then from the blog to the book, I mean, what, what were the challenges? I think the challenges were to be absolutely rigorous about the science because in a blog, you're not writing lots of references. You, you People don't challenge you in the same way on the research. And it, a blog is a very personal way of writing, whereas a book needs to be more structured and a little more formal. In the blog, we could write about our families and different things the book had to you know, had to be um you know obviously a bit more sensible and and it, you know, we had to create a structure which is quite different to writing a blog every week uh which is just like a mini essay you know, well as you know you've done it lots of times yes. you have to kind <laughs> of create that whole kind of structure and arc and and you break down your sections and chapters and and, and make the whole thing an enjoyable read and how were you juggling that with your day job? My day job as a TV producer is very demanding, but it's not all the time. It, I'm freelance, so I can take breaks and I can stop. You know, a job comes to an end. I don't have to take another one straight away. So that's sort of how I made that work. With you know, To sort of say, right, okay, well, this job has come to an end, so I will write for three months. And then I'll look for another job. Right. Oh, I see. So it worked out quite easily then in that respect. So as you were ploughing through all this research and pulling things together, both for the blog and the book, was there anything that really surprised you? Oh, gosh, lots of things. I think as we, when we started, it was really about eating to age well. That was our main interest. So what the biggest revelation really was all the other things we need to be doing to help us age well. It's that actually eating and nutrition, as you know, is unbelievably important, but also there are a lot of other factors too. And I think for me, probably the biggest thing was sleep. I really hadn't given that much thought. I'd slept well and then I had small children, so I didn't sleep well. Uh, and then I sort of went into perimenopause, so I didn't sleep well again. And mm. I hadn't really thought about the work I needed to be doing to make sure I was getting enough sleep and what it was doing particularly to my brain in terms of ageing if I wasn't getting enough sleep. Oh, well, I mean, sleep, no doubt sleep is absolutely paramount. I mean, as you know, I've done a whole podcast on sleep with mm. Professor Russell Foster, yeah. which is fascinating. And it really does determine our health in so many different ways. But of course, it's not the only thing. And I know it's really complex and there's a lot to consider. But could you sum up some of the key factors that age us and, and how we can influence them? Yes, you're right. It is complex and there's a lot to consider. But I think we do need to sort of try and find ways to make sense of it. Because it's quite easy to say, oh, I'm never going to understand the science. But actually, having some understanding of it is really empowering. And I've found it really helps me stay on track with my own age world plan. Because if you think, well, if I'm doing this, this is actually helping me to age well on a cellular level, then it's mm. worth doing. And essentially, we're aging from the outside in and the inside out and those two factors work together 
in terms of how we age at a cellular level. You know, there are all the outside factors we know about, you know, smoking, bad diet, stress, lack of sleep, as we were saying, you know, pollution, loneliness, all those things that contribute to the process of cellular aging and what's happening on the inside because the gray hair and the wrinkles we see on the outside is actually being replicated. That sort of, that process is being replicated in every cell in our body. Our DNA becomes damaged and unstable as we get older. There are errors in the replication process. The methadone systems break down. The batteries of our cells, the mitochondria become less efficient produce more oxidation which you know, like rusting so, so everything becomes less efficient but what is so good is that we can improve all these hallmarks of aging with quite simple lifestyle changes. So are you saying we could reverse things if things were going in the wrong direction? It's a bit simplistic say so, oh turn back the clock but I think uh, we can certainly, yeah, we can certainly slow the process. It's a natural po- process, but yes, we can certainly slow the process. And you know, we all know people who are aging at different rates. You know, once you get past or once you get to midlife, really, everybody starts to age in a very different way. And so, you, know, I mean, part a small part of that is genetic, maybe twenty percent or so. But you know, a lot of it is down to lifestyle. Talk to us about telomeres, because you talk about that in your book. The telomeres, and I love talking about telomeres. The telomeres <laughs> are the shoelace-like tip on the end of our chromosomes. Our DNA, you know, this, the essence of our matter, is wrapped up into these strings of chromosomes, which are like a shoelace. And if uh, you imagine on a shoelace, there's a tip which stops it fraying. Well, that's what a telomere does. And uh, it's it sits on the end of a chromosome and it stops our DNA fraying and becoming damaged. And what's so fascinating about telomeres is that we are as old as our telomeres are long. The longer and stronger they are, the better we're aging. So we can do things which help keep them long and strong. And simple things, again, exercise, healthy diet, meditation. Meditators have longer telomeres than than non-meditators. They're they're very, very responsive uh, to our lifestyle. When you talk about them being longer or shorter, if they have started to shorten, can those factors make them longer? Or is it that you just stop the shortening at a certain point? They do, yeah, they do get longer. Research done in Colorado uh, following meditators for three months found they had longer, stronger telomeres. Great. Well, that's really good news. Okay, so meditation can influence them. What else influences them? Exercise and, and also sort of happiness and social cohesion and community actually people who live in a more cohesive community have longer telomeres but i mean particularly at the moment when none of us are getting much opportunity to live in a particularly cohesive kind of, uh, community or you know, see our community and interact with them so does that some of that come down to the the whole blue zone theory which again is something i very interesting in relation to aging. Yes, the blue zones are fascinating because those are areas 
which have the highest concentrations of centenarians in the world. And that concentration of centenarians seems to be linked to lifestyle. And it's not sort of taking whizzy supplements or drinking green juice every day. It's, again, basic simple things like functional movement, movement all day, every day, very cohesive communities, multi-generational homes, uh, lots of emphasis put on being social and being within a community, uh, and that can involve drinking alcohol sometimes, and lots of quite basic foodstuffs, pulses, vegetables, growing your own garden, you know, all, you know, all that kind of thing. It's really, you know, The blue zones are all very poor areas. That's also interesting about them, that uh, you know, this is not health that comes from affluence, it's health that comes from lack. But you know, we can take some of that into our own lives and think about how we eat and how we move and the time we spend with others. Mm, that's so interesting. Well, let's dive into it and talk about your new book, The Age Well Plan, which I absolutely okay. love because it's all the practical application of, of everything you discuss in The Age Well Project. So congratulations, because I think it's a real work of art and there's some great practical stuff in there. Can you tell us, first of all, you know, how you structured the book? What can people expect what people can expect is a really simple day-by-day, week-by-week strategy to age well. It really is what to do every single day to help you age well. And I really do handhold kind of through that process, fitting things into your day so that you're doing things which help you age well almost without you realizing it. And certainly a lot of the things don't really take any time. And the structure, it's a six-week program, and each week kind of builds the previous one. So we sort of layer up this this age-well life, essentially, lifestyle. So we start off really thinking about a sense of purpose and why we want to age well and where we are now, kind of what what state the the body is in now. Uh, And then we look at diet and exercise and sleep and how to be, you know, our social engagement, how we are in the world, and then how to live, you know, how to live our age well life, kind of out, you know, going out into the world and the environment around us. So it all kind of layers up. And the kind of inspiration from the book really was having written the project, or as we were writing the project, I thought, you know, there's more I can be doing here. It's brilliant writing this book but I really want to be helping people more so I qualified as um, as a health coach so that I could help people uh, more directly because I really do believe that you can change the way you age and I really wanted to be able to share that directly as possible with people and and I just realized that people were loving the age well project but they just wanted to know how to do it and I would do workshops and people would be writing copious notes. Oh, oh so they were like, oh, <laughs> yes. what time do you go to bed again? And they'd write it down. I thought, oh, gosh, people really need kind of help and structure to kind of make sense of it. And yes. so that's, that's how the plan grew out of the project. And I think that really comes through. I mean, I, I, I'm very impressed with it because 
a lot of what I do in my nutrition clinic is that type of hand holding because in so many ways people people know the theory of what they should be doing, but it's how to make it possible in very busy lives. Yeah and how to sort of make those small changes. And I think that's the genius of the book, because it's not so much about, okay, right now you've got to make these massive changes and go and do this, this and this, and then you'll age well. Because great though that might sound, you know, we've we've all got lives to lead and we're all super busy and that's probably what's got in the way of things in the first place. So I love your step-by-step approach. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you. And it's very much what I do myself because I don't have hours to be in the gym pumping iron or you know, all the time to sort of follow a keto diet or this diet or that diet not that there's anything wrong with those diets but you know, they take time and work mm, and they do. so if that's your thing great but I just wanted it to be really accessible and approachable for you know, for someone like me who, who is a working mum and has all these things going on and just think, you know, how, you know, how do I make the best of it you know, from what I've learned what do I do and how can I share it? That's what it comes down to. Well, that's it. And I think it really is about taking those small moments when you might not be doing anything like boiling the kettle. And that's when, you know, you do your hopping yeah. or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. Just small things that can make a big difference. So I don't think people will be hugely surprised that there's a section on uh, nutrition, there's a section on exercise, because, you know, we know that those are things we need to do, even if we're not doing them. But I think one of the chapters that really drew me in was the the how to be chapter. And I think that's really relevant this year with all the challenges around COVID and, and lockdown. So, you know, with that in mind, what do you think are the key things for people to focus on in that in that area who are finding this a really challenging time? I think what's really key is not to worry about, well, not to worry too much, but not to worry about kind of the the latest thing. You know, we're all we're very consumer driven, and it's very easy to kind of think, oh, I need this gadget or or that thing, or that supplement, or whatever, but actually sort of taking a step back from that and think, and just thinking about how we feel about our lives, how we stimulate our minds, how we interact with others. I think that the mental elements of getting older are as important as the, the physical, if not more so. And particularly at the moment, as you say, you know, that is really difficult. So I think it's things like finding ways to engage with friends. You know, in the book, I talk about you know, a friend a day, you're contacting a friend a day or seeing a friend a day. And we can't see people necessarily, but we can make contact. We can make use of technology. There are, you know, I don't obviously recommend people spend hours on screens all the time, but actually we can make use of technology to, to contact people, uh, to find ways of engagement and you know, if that's difficult, finding something new each day or every few days, and that can be as simple as walking a different route. You know, if you're taking a daily walk, make sure you vary it every day and make it a savouring walk, which is a, just a really lovely idea, which is simply that you savour what you see and you look for three things that make you smile like a cute dog or some really nice flowers in a garden or an interestingly decorated house and and take a moment to think about why you like it and that 
sort of locks the the gratitude into the into the brain and it's just a really easy thing to do that's a great idea because I know that the three grateful things at the end of the day is quite a common um, strategy that people use. But I rather like that idea as you go out for a walk because I think we've slightly got into the habit of going out for the walk because we need we, we know we need to go out for the walk, but not actually savouring the walk as we do it and, and getting all the things out of the walk that are so important because it's about a lot more than exercise. There's some very interesting research about the impact of walking in nature on stress levels and anyone who's a regular listener to this podcast will know that I am always banging on about stress being the enemy of the menopause and of course uh, it's certainly the enemy of aging oh, as well. Oh gosh it? yes uh, yes absolutely yes I think a, a walk can be so many things because it can be de-stressing particularly if you're in nature again in the book I mentioned see a tree see a tree in daylight is sort of one of my mantras because actually just we don't have to go and sort of walk in some wild forest like the Japanese who love forest bathing. You just actually seeing a tree, getting the daylight, getting fresh air, and seeing anything of interest really on you know, on your walk and re- and reminding yourself why why you like it. It has a has a huge impact. So yeah, yes, it's more than just like oh, I must go for a walk and and marching around because I think that's probably not very de-stressing actually. No, I don't think so. So tell me, Susan, do you practice what you preach? What's the biggest or most surprising thing that you've changed if you look back at the the pre-age well, Susan? I think the most surprising thing, if I look back at pre-age well, Susan, a long time ago, would be the consistency. (laughs) Back in the day, I would kind of throw myself into some exercise regime or diet or or something and then I'd stop whereas because I've simplified things because I've really worked hard to make it doable I am consistent and at the moment I'm on a tv project which is really full-on and I'm working really long hours and I've had to sort of pare it back to the kind of non-negotiables and one of which is morning daylight which it can just be a walk but making sure I get 20 to 30 minutes of daylight every morning because that makes a huge impact for how well I sleep and if I'm not sleeping then I know I'm going to feel terrible I'm not going to perform well the next day that's something that even though I am really busy at the moment that I'm really making sure I practice what I preach I'm making sure that I get exercise several times a week uh, and I'm very interested in intermittent fasting. I think the research on that and aging well is really compelling. So I always eat my breakfast really late. So those are, you know, those, that's really, those are my kind of non-negotiables, however busy I am, whatever's going on. So it all comes down again, I think, to planning your time and taking those choices and making sure that you're not overloading yourself, even when you are incredibly busy. Yes, because I think if you Stop taking time to look after yourself, particularly as we get older, the the negative effects build up very quickly. If you're not getting some fresh air and a bit of exercise, then you end up not working so efficiently. So you have to end up working harder and longer. And so it it snowballs quicker, I think, as as we get older or certainly as we get uh, into um, midlife and beyond. Right. Yeah. So... 
The Age Well Plan, which only came out a few weeks ago, is a really exciting project. But what's next for you? Any more exciting projects in the pipeline? I want to keep talking to people about the Age Well Plan and the Age Well Project. I'm really hoping to do some more free webinars uh, in the new year. I did one to uh, launch the book because I couldn't have a lovely in real life book launch party. I'm sure you felt the same way. You've got sort of you know, it's the shame that you know, we can't be launching our books into the world perhaps as we'd like to. So, I know. Yeah, it's just, it is a shame. But actually, uh, I did a webinar and that was great. Uh, and so I'd like to do more of those and continue with my one-to-one coaching. So, yeah, so that's the plan at the moment. Well, that all sounds brilliant because you've got so much to offer everyone in terms of all your advice and expertise. So where can people find you if they'd like to learn more about what you do or uh, follow some of your coaching projects? There, I've got two websites, essentially, the AgeWell Project or agewellproject.com, which is the site Annabelle and I have and where we post all the latest research and recipes. There are loads of really fantastic recipes on there. And then I have my own website at susansaundershealth.com, which has details of events and coaching. And they both have social media. Excellent. Great. Well, I'll put all the links to those on the podcast page of my website so that people can find that easily in the show notes. Thank you. From all the things you've learned through all the research that you've done and all the things you've tried yourself, what would your top two tips be for, for women in midlife to help them achieve that healthy and happy old age? I would say, number one, believe you can change the way you age. Tiny tweaks to your daily routine really can add up to some radically redefining your health. What's important is starting today and continuing for the rest of your life. It really doesn't matter what the starting point is. It's all about taking responsibility for how you age as much as you can and beginning the journey. And number two will be to keep moving every hour of every day. You were talked about the blue zones. People in blue zones have to keep digging the garden, sweeping the floor. They don't have dishwashers. You know, they're on the move the whole time. And we're not designed to live the sedentary lives that we do. And they are killing us. Movement's the magic pill, really, which helps us live longer and healthier lives. So it's always about not sitting still for more than an hour. So I'm always stretching at my desk or running downstairs or to get something or taking a dog for a really quick walk. And almost any level of activity reduces our mortality risk. So just if you're listening to this podcast, uh, hopefully you're on a walk already, but you just get up and have a little <laughs> walk around the room or you know, if you're doing chores, then brilliant. You, you're helping yourself age well already. You, you're, you're, you're there. You're making progress. Excellent. That really wise words. Thanks so much, Susan. Thanks very much for joining us today. The Age Well Plan is out now and available in all usual places. So do take a look at it because I can guarantee it's going to be full of some great things to encourage you all to change your life. So thanks for joining us. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. Gosh, it whizzed by. Wow, that was fascinating. There's so much interesting information there, and I'm really encouraged to hear that we can do some very simple things to get results quite quickly. 
If you'd like to find out more about Susan, her books and the coaching that she does, visit the show notes for this episode on the podcast page of my website, well-well-well.co.uk, where I've posted all the relevant links. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. And make sure you tell all your friends. It makes a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast and really helps to spread the word. Because every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.